I don't know if you've ever wondered why in the Catholic Church every Sunday for three years we read the same set of readings. And once those three years are up, we do it again and again and again and again. You might wonder, well, wouldn't the Catholic Church's ratings go up considerably if we could pick a topic and talk about that topic for two or three months or maybe do a history of the church course or maybe just systematically go through the catechism of the Catholic Church? And maybe some of us out here were saying, you know, I didn't receive a whole lot in my grade school and here I'm looking at my children and they seem to know a lot more about my faith than I do. Why can't we talk about current events? Be much more exciting. It would be kind of like one of those, I don't know, talk shows. It'd be like watching the news. Definitely, maybe the attendance here in the Catholic Church, you know, across the country would start to go up a little bit. A few years ago, I read an interview with Jim Caviezel. Jim Caviezel is an actor and he's the one that played Jesus in Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. And the interviewer was going back and forth with Jim, and he asked him at one point, he says, you know, there's rumors that you had a strong kind of a conversion experience during the filming of The Passion of the Christ. And Jim Caviezel started talking, and he said, you know, it's true, I have been a believer my whole life, definitely not practicing. I didn't really do much with my faith. Yeah, I was there, but it's kind of one of those things where eh, time to time I kind of would show up, you know, on Sundays and kind of more or less live my faith. And he said during the filming of The Passion of the Christ, he had an incredible conversion experience because he said when he was playing the part of Jesus, a lot of people don't know this, he experienced a lot of suffering. When he was on the cross at the crucifixion, uh, he was actually suffering from hypothermia. By the time they got all the makeup on, the way the weather was, the way they wanted it, and how cold it was at the site where they were filming, and he was wearing hardly anything, strapped to this cross with his arms above his head, similar to the way that they crucify you, he said he was actually suffocating to a certain degree and experiencing hypothermia. They had to do this, the take over and over again because he couldn't even pronounce the words because the hypothermia was starting to set in. He said it was so painful of an experience. He said similarly when they were scourging him, that scene where they're scourging Jesus Christ, he was wearing a metal plate on his back under the makeup. And at one point, one of the Roman soldiers missed the metal plate and actually hit his back and he said it was such a painful thing that he couldn't even scream he said he lost all his breath and was just paralyzed because of the pain and he said in order to get through those hours and days of filming the passion of the Christ it sent him or he was forced to a very deep place within himself and he started to reflect on, my gosh, this is what Jesus suffered and much more. 
He said that was the beginning of a tremendous turning point in his life because he said it's one thing to be on the outside and hearing the gospel, etc., etc. It's another thing to put yourself into the scene, to become one of, in this case, Jesus, but to become one of the people in the gospel scene. And he said as well, one of the Roman soldiers who was scourging him in the movie, the actor was not baptized, the actor was a Muslim. And he said as well, that Roman soldier, after the filming of The Passion of the Christ, converted to Christianity and was baptized. He was drawn into what was going on through the movie. Right? A good actor has to become the person that he's trying to portray. The church has this three-year cycle of the same gospel passages over and over again. Why? Because it's simulating the disciples who were with Jesus Christ for three years. That tremendous change in the disciples' life was brought about because they lived with the Lord for three years. They experienced Him. And the church says, if we are going to convert and become like them, which is what we're striving to do, we're all striving, we're all called to be saints. The church says, what better way than that we are Sunday after Sunday after Sunday able to experience living with Jesus Christ for three years. And when we've done that, we do it again and again and again. But why many times do I not feel any different? And it goes to what Jim Caviezel was getting at in his interview. It's because at times I don't put myself into the gospel passage. I read it from the outside. At times, maybe I'm distracted. At times, maybe I'm tired. And it's hard, but I have to make that effort to put myself into the gospel and say, what did the disciples feel? What did Jesus feel? And that's why for these past three weeks, these first three weeks of Easter, we've been hearing about different encounters between the disciples and Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, so that we can identify with Thomas. Identify with Mary Magdalene. Identify with the disciples on the way to Emmaus. And last week I mentioned in my homily how those encounters now are absent. Why? Why last week did we hear about the Good Shepherd? Why this week do we have our gospel passage? And it has to do with where we're going during this experience, during this trying to accompany the disciples. What is it that the disciples are about to face? Forty days after his resurrection, Jesus is going to leave them. He's going to ascend into heaven and leave them. He's going ahead of them. And 50 days after Easter, we'll celebrate Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles. So last week, we had the gospel passage referring to the shepherd. Why? Because it says, the shepherd calls his sheep out, and he leads them. 
Jesus is ascending into heaven, calling us out to follow him, and he's leading us by going ahead of us into heaven. And now we come to this evening's gospel passage. Why? What's the logic behind what we heard in the gospel? Tonight's gospel is taken from the Last Supper when Jesus gives his final words to his apostles. It's his last chance to speak with his disciples before he gets betrayed, before he suffers his passion, gets crucified. It's like Jesus' last will and testament is what we read today. What better thing to reflect on if the disciples, and we're putting ourselves into this experience, the disciples are about to lose Jesus, well, what better thing to do than to go back to the first time that they lost Jesus? That is the Last Supper. He's about to die. So the church brings us back, and we hear this evening's gospel. What does Jesus say? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. If we're living this experience with the disciples, and we're probably living it now whether we like it or not, in the sense of where is Jesus Christ? I would love to be able to see him, touch him, talk to him. Lord, where are you in my life? You've left me. How many times have I felt that? Lord, you have left me. That's what the apostles are about to experience. The ascension is drawing near. So they go back and they listen again to Jesus. We're called to listen again to Jesus' last words before he leaves. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. But he doesn't mean just a generic, you know, don't worry, be happy, don't, yeah, don't be troubled. That's not what Jesus is saying. What just happened before this evening's gospel was Jesus predicted Judas' betrayal, and then he turned to Peter and he said, you too will deny me three times. And Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. What is he saying? He's saying, do not let your hearts be troubled because of your sin. He's like, stop it. Stop dwelling on your sin. Stop dwelling on your failures. Do not let your hearts be troubled by that. These are Jesus' final words before his passion and death. He's saying, if you're thinking of your sinfulness, if you're thinking you're far away from me, if you're worried about those times that you deny Jesus Christ, he's saying, stop. Stop it. Do not let your hearts be troubled. But he doesn't leave it there. And with this, I'm going to finish. He tells them two ways to keep from their hearts being troubled. Remember where I have gone to my father's house, and I'm preparing a place for you. And secondly, I am the way to the father's house. If your heart is troubled, 
ask yourself, do you think of heaven? Do I dream of heaven? And secondly, do I know the way? Do I know Jesus Christ? If Jesus Christ is the way, can I say I know him? Or am I like Philip, where Jesus has to turn and say, Philip, have I been with you so long and you do not know me?